Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're back. It's Thursday, and this is the Luke and Pete Show. How the devil are you? Get involved. Get involved. Get at it. Get, get amongst it. Get on it. Yeah, what's going on, Pete? What's new? Not a lot, really. Uh, I've had a rather full week prepping for the Football Ramble Live, baby. We're in Hackney tonight. If you're listening on a Thursday, that's ramblelive.com if yeah. you'd like to see us. You, there might be a handful of tickets left for tonight's show, but there'll probably oh, yeah. be some left for Saturday night at Alexander Palace. Um, do check it out, ramblelive.com. We, Saturday's, we, Saturday's more fun, though. It's bigger, isn't it? Yeah, bigger, bigger night. A lot of fun. We, we, we're talking about Ramble Live a lot purely because I think this is the tour that we've done where we've put so much prep into it. Like normally, the show started out, the live show started out, I should say, by the way, this is episode 199.56. It almost and, doesn't um, even bear thinking about. No, it doesn't. And it's Thursday, the, what day was today? 26th, mm. 26th of, uh, of September. Um, when we started out doing Ramble Live, it just used to be the four of us sat behind desks talking about football. Mm. And I think if we take a moment to stop and smell the roses, the show has evolved to such an extent. And we haven't played live for two over two years. Is that right? Yeah, because the last, last time we played was after the FA Cup final in 2017, I think. Wow. And the show we've planned this time is big and it's going to be great. And we want you to come along. So yeah, do come along if you've got a chance. But that's been taking up the bulk of my, um, my time this week as well. Mm. I was um, doing... All kind of lo- kinds of local radio press. Have you done any of that? Um, no, I haven't. I down like ISDN lines and stuff. Yeah. So what they do is they, they for well, what they did for us is you go into um, oh like a little. I have done that a little vestibule in like BBC Centre or something. Wogan House, it's called. Yeah. Now, yeah. And they put you in a room mm. and you sit with headphones on and the different radio stations from around the country dial in. Yeah. And every so often you just get a hello. Is that Luke? <laughs> you go yeah, it's me. Yeah. All right, it's it's Johnny from. BBC Radio Northampton, how you doing? Mm. Like that, and then you do I'm your thing. It's and weird, isn't it? It's rather abstract that you're just in a room like a... It, it's how most local radio... It's how most radio's done, really. Uh, just in a booth, in an ISD. I always find local ISDM radio line. people like a different breed as well. They're certainly lovelier. They're, they're friendlier. <laughs> they're giving. They've got proper radio voices as well. Yeah. Which I've never had. I was listening to a uh, guy who... I'm not going to say what team or what podcast, but it was a team-based football podcast because I liked it every now and again because you can't you, yeah you can't it was one of the um, one of the South Coast teams and I was like I wonder uh, wonder what they're saying about this and um, uh, they were he was being wonderfully cheesy uh, like some people when they get on the radio or get on a podcast they think that they have to adopt a certain style and you have to be slick and you have to be smooth yeah. and you have to keep it going you do kind of have to keep it going but you yeah. don't have to necessarily be cheesy no <laughs> you, but you, we're not naturally cheesy though are we you and I we're more naturally cynical I think yeah but I mean just yeah no, no not even cheesy just kind of like trying to be like you know satirical but taking like a, a sideways glance at something and trying to be a bit cool for school and it's like wow you're not gonna <laughs> that's not gonna last you we went for years with people referring to us on the Rambler as um Oh, they take a sideways glance at football. Yeah. How do you they? take a sideways glance at anything? Not sure. You're doing it now, though. 
Um, I suppose we're taking a sideways glance at life on this show, aren't we, really? I guess we are, yeah. Um, one thing you have to be good at when it comes to radio, particularly talk radio, is you've got to be good at doing three or four things at once and you've mm. got to be good at li- half listening to like different conversations at the same time because mm. you've got someone over there making a point o- live on radio yep. you've got to listen to that you've got to listen to your producer and you're telling you what's coming next you've got to read something on the screen you've got to think about who you're bringing in next and what you're going to say there's mm. so much stuff to remember and the people who do it well I, I would say Mark Chapman on the BBC is the best of us at these they just make it sound totally effortless mm. And also pace changes as well. If you're sort of talking about oh, that's hard, yeah. a cricket score to a death to something else, yeah. more current affairs. That is very tough. Speaking of death, oh. um, I sort of sort of related. I went to the Churchill War Rooms. Mm. Have you been? Uh, no, I, I would recommend it, man. People listening who've been will know exactly what I mean. Well, but... I like I like data technology, so I imagine there's probably oh, a bit mate, of that in there. You'll absolutely love it. You'd love mm. that then. I mean. The story of the Churchill War is quite interesting because, of course, Churchill went down there and decided that he was going to conduct the Second World War from there. It's just over the back of Whitehall. Mm. and um, It's what, all over the back of Whitehall. But what, but what happened at the end of the war, as far as I can make out, mm. and they, well, they certainly make out this is the case in, in, in the museum itself, in like, in like 40, August 45, I suppose, so v, around VJ Day, mm. everyone left, closed the door, that was it. See you later. Didn't go back in. Mm. They didn't go back in until the 80s. <laughs> so when the people went in, I think that maybe the Imperial War Museum Company or whatever got hold of it, yep. went in there. It was so well preserved that one of the um, officers in there's sugar rations was still on the desk or in the drawer or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was per- perfectly preserved. So they cleaned it all up, Fantastic. made some adjustments, and then they've opened it up to the, uh, to the public. It's a fascinating place. If you like um, two things you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy, two things you'll need to enjoy to, to enjoy it, Old technology is definitely one of them. Mm. Second, maps. Maps yeah, everywhere. Maps, yeah, yeah. Massive, massive maps everywhere. <laughs> and some of them have got like doodles on them when they've taken the piss. So some, on, on one of the big maps on one of the walls, someone in pencil has drawn like a brilliant cartoon of Hitler drowning nice, in, okay, in the Atlantic. Cool. Yeah, it's quite funny. There's loads, loads of good stuff in there. There's, um, there's the place where Churchill would um, sleep. There's mm. a place where he would go and do radio broadcasts to the nation, mm. which would go filtered through... Um, broadcasting house there's these things called scramblers because the technology is so uh, primitive they'd have all these different coloured phones that would mm. just ring and they would answer them or whatever yeah. but if they wanted to send um, important information they use these phones called scramblers and what they are, are they look like an old fashioned dial phone mm. the numbers obviously would do, do the, what they called like a circular dial phone Yeah, but they're attached rotary. to your rotary phone they're attached to a massive briefcase like the size of that cabinet mm. and they scramble scramble the signal scramble scramble yeah imagine all the stuff you have to remember that. And it all analog as well. There's no kind of no. there's no microchips involved here. It's just just all no. analog shit. And the um, tubes, the little room with um, where they he would broadcast the nation. I mm. mean the the hardware mm. is probably six feet high. I bet it got warm. Boxes of, oh, oh yeah, I bet it did. Bet yeah. it got warm. But I think like, they I'm fairly certain they pioneered some kind of air conditioning down there. Really? <laughs> yeah, because there's primitive air conditioning everywhere as well. Mm. And that there's little um, sucker tubes where they put little notes through to each other's rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that as well. It's a fascinating. I, I was place. in I was in McDonald's this morning getting a. Flathwhite. And uh, there was... Uh, that's little... your kind of war room, that's isn't my, it? My war that's where you conduct a lot of your it's operations. Where, it's where I, 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 I conduct war on my own body. Um, <laughs> the, uh, 
<laughs> there was this uh, it's on Oxford Street. They've got this weird kind of system where I think the kitchens are downstairs or upstairs, and they've got like a what I'm going to call a paternoster, which is a lift that con- just continues which up branch and down, up and down uh, Oxford Street, Oxford okay. Street uh, in the middle of um, Tottenham Court Road and Oxford Street. Uh, there's got this interesting kind of lift that takes food up and down, up yeah. and down, uh, and when it comes down, the teeth intersect with another set of teeth, and your little um, chicken McNuggets go flies off it. It's a thumbing for a thing, and it just means that the footprint of the actual McDonald's can be actually quite uh, quite small. Is it pleasing to watch it in action? It's very pleasing. I always thought that's going to smash all our food. No, it gently takes it off the leaf. Would you be gently um, takes it off the leaf? I'll take that sunshine. Yeah, it's going to end up in Pete's belly like a butterfly landing. Like a butterfly landing. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, would you be interested in being in Churchill war rooms with? Churchill just smoking endless cigars down the yeah, no, The I'm worst thing is all me. of them are smoking. There's ashtrays yeah. everywhere. Can you just cut that out, please? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Good news is we didn't get bombed. The bad <laughs> news is I've got quite advanced lung cancer. Emphysema. Yeah. Speaking of uh, abandoned uh, buildings, uh, I've discovered a book from the North East. I'm not really sure where, what part of the North East is from. It's sort of around our, in between us and sort of some uh, Oh, otherwise. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, So uh, he goes around and he's, uh, he's broken into a couple of um, buildings in Hartlepool, which I'm very interested in. The Hill Carter. Uh, hotel was a hotel that opened kind of I think late 90s around the turn of the millennium and it was like this big deal there's another hotel in town we've got the Grand Hotel now we've got the Hill Carter um, and it was like only like 10 or 11 rooms on Church Street near the train station beautiful location beautiful old building um, or I think the, did the court used to be there it doesn't matter anyway beautiful building and uh, uh, and oh, it was Dovecourt I think anyway and uh, it was you're right, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. just going down memory lane sorry everyone <laughs> um, and uh, so he's broken in there and he's just walking around um, there's a nightclub bit that I used to go to a fair bit there was a um, uh, all of the old rooms and stuff and he's sort of broken in and he's just walked around and like he's done the same to the Audion which was a building that I spoke about uh, before uh, it's this big art deco kind of slight, slightly art deco uh, building um, from the from the 50s I think and uh, he's and it's been it, it's we've not had a decent um, cinema we've got like a Audion on the on, on the um uh, on the marina it's it's very commercial you can only get like the, the most popular films like you know your, your Fast and Furious and stuff like that it could do with having like a better cinema somewhere uh, but this audience cinema has been there for years and it's a beautiful building but they've just let it rot They're, like the ceiling's coming in there's water everywhere but this guy's just walking around and he's not a particularly good narrator no. but I do recommend uh, Audion Hartlepool give it a search on YouTube and maybe we'll tell you out a, picture, uh, a video um, he just walks around uh, and the main things people have broken in for and they've, they've stripped out aluminium and stuff and stripped out the expensive stuff but the main thing that people keep breaking into buildings and high people just booze, just bottles, like single yeah. bottles of Stella. They're just having them away, and they'll all be out of date because the 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 the, the hill cart closed a couple of years ago. He's um, <laughs> he's not a very ducks. good like he's he's obviously quite good at breaking into places, but he's, <laughs> he's not just, a very good narrator. No. Every single room he walks into, he goes, "Oh, th- there's nothing in here." <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, hell! I, 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 I want my foot just gone to the fucking floor. Like, ah, oh, look at there's that. Nothing, mate. There's nothing in here. <laughs> uh, Twelve minute video. I watched the whole thing because you sent it to me. <laughs> And every room he walks into, this doesn't in here, like <laughs> no, sell it into me. Yeah, make something up. Look at the infrastructure. Look at the look at the wires and the wall and stuff. And he's like, he only gets excited when he sees a safe. There's a safe yeah. in here. They've been in the safe like there's nothing in here. I'm going, mate. That building's been closed for a long time. Yeah. and whoever owns it. Well, I got into the safe. Yeah. Don't worry about it. There's yeah. not going to be any money left. This is the interesting stuff. Beer mats. 
Have a look at the beer mats. Have a look at the old posters, the acts, the bands that used to be there. Let's have a look. Have a look at the bodies. Have a look at the bodies. They did find, uh, I think in the Hill Carter or maybe the audience cinema, they found a, uh, it was like a doll. It's like kind of like, it uh, looked like a toddler. It was a doll fully dressed up, just lying on the floor. And it did look like a corpse of a child. Oh, weird. It was genuinely chilling. Do you remember a year or so ago, we talked, we um, found a story about some guys who went and buried all the old Soviet money. Yes, yeah. And they yeah, went yeah. to try and find it. And they actually found Lenin- it. Leningrad, wasn't it? Yeah, they actually found it. Yeah. That's amazing. It's worthless, though, right? I think. No, yeah. I think it was yeah. worthless. That's amazing. If you found any money in the audience safe, again, it's, it went out of business ages ago. Don't worry about but it. But we're still using pounds, though, crucially, aren't we, Pete? Yeah, but if you had £10 notes, wouldn't you? Yeah. It wouldn't be. It, you, you couldn't exchange that old £10 note for anything, could you? Yeah, you take it into the bank, brother. No, that was years ago. Take it into the bank, brother. It doesn't exist. You can do that. By the way, um, you know, Thomas Cook got. Um, Got, Hit the wall. Uh, went under. Mm. Uh, I was terribly sad story. People have lost their jobs and people's you know, hard work and people's holidays have been ruined and all the rest of it. And I'm mm. not making light of that. But um, it's quite interesting though because when I was in Santorini in May, mm. I was lying on the bed just checking my phone. Go on, help. It's too hot. And it, yeah, and it came. Um, I was in my little capsule. It doesn't let any UV, <laughs> UV light in. Um, it was a bit on the phone saying, Oh, Thomas Cook's in danger of going under. Oh. Then, then, yeah, 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 and I was actually worried about it. Mm. And I was on holiday with my family. I showed my mum. She was like, "Oh yeah, we'll probably be alright." And we never heard of anything again. And now it's come back, and now it's happened. Terrible news. It sounds like there's been, uh, you know, um, stick and plasters being put up that for a few months now. Yes, exactly. Any any interest in the Rugby World Cup, Peter? Any interest in the people who like rugby? I enjoyed. Uh, Gav posted a picture of S4C, uh, which is the I think the uh, Welsh is it a commercial channel? I think it is a commercial channel, isn't it? It's not mm. a BBC channel. Um, they posted on their Twitter page the most. Generic uh, kind of Japanese wank bit of top. I was going to ask you about this. And, and, well, is, is this set that ITV have set up? Is that problematic? What do you mean the set? It's very stereotypical kind of Japanese. Here's a dojo t- type thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, the thing that you kind of notice about the Japanese is they don't like necessarily give a shit about that kind of thing. They don't right. really know what's xenophobic. They don't really know what's racist because they them themselves are you know, inherently uh, from their systems and their and their closed um, offness. They don't have any kind of immigration in Washington. They don't have any immigration, so they don't really know what's what's racist and what isn't racist. But they and they and they don't necessarily give a shit about like for example, I've spoken about uh, on the Broad Japan podcast with uh, Chris Broad, another Chris Takano of a podcast, but um. Uh, like the Hello Kitty uh, Avril Lavigne video. She's yeah. got a big fan base over there. Um, they fucking love her because she's, you know, spent a lot of time there and, you know, it's a, it's a big market for those kind of saccharine pop rock yeah. kind of acts. Yeah. Uh, and she did a song called Hello Kitty where she just went down Harajuku High Street, found a shitty sweet shop and did mm-hmm. a little fucking dance. She must be in her 30s now, probably. Right, yeah. But like, you know, she did a little dance and did, you know, fucking Hello Kitty, like all that, like, but used, you know, the, 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 the Harajuku girl kind of Gwen Stefani thing. Whatever happened to Harajuku girls? What are they, where did they go? Not sure. Um, yeah, uh, they use that kind of like uh, iconography in the image. Like, and, and everyone in the West got a little bit upset about it and so went, oh, this is very stereotypical. This is just xenophobic, you know, you got the thing. But fundamentally, um, it's not high culture, is it? Like at the end of the day, it's not high culture, um, like Hello Kitty, and so you would argue that it can't be appropriated. Uh, Well, it it can't be appropriated because it's a it's a it's a commercial enterprise. Things like the dojo and stuff, obviously, got a lot of history there. But you know, having a kind of like doing Harajuku girls dressed dressed up as you know um, schoolgirls and doing all that shit, that's a modern. Uh, commercial enterprise. So they don't give a it? shit, basically. So th- and they particularly do not give a shit. I think with the Dojo stuff, when you get stuff like that, I've not seen the set, so I can't comment. But uh, and also, <laughs> I'm not Japanese. But uh, I would, I would think they don't have that much of a problem with that kind of thing, which is interesting. I've always found right. Okay, but, because um, I, I don't know myself. There's been some comments made about it. Um, mm. 
But yeah, it did look a little bit. Oh, the S4C uh, Twitter, Twitter header was fucking hilarious. Like, yeah, just like people dressed in like old kind of shogun, um, all of like the host and stuff, and like rugby stars like dressed in like shogun clothes and stuff. It was uh, very, uh, it was shite. It was absolutely shite. <laughs> Another story that caught my eye is this, this story coming out of Indonesia, where the sky is in um, uh, one of the provinces there. Of course, Indonesia is a hugely popular country. Mm. What goes under the radar, Indonesia, in my opinion, um, the skies have turned. Like brutally and vividly red oh, due to um, forest it's, fires. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. Well, quite. <laughs> but the you know when there's when there's forest fires, you tend to think of it being hazy and smoggy and it blocking out the sun. But mm. look at this photo of um. Whoa! See it's, that? it's like um, it's like a red like a dark room in a photography. It's studio. like an infrared um, camera picture. If you take a picture in infrared, it's very pink. Yeah, very pink, very red. Yeah, so that's quite, quite interesting. Anyway, um. Wow, it, it, it does look a bit like some of those photos you saw of Mars. So check that out if you get, if you get a chance. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, Peter. When we come back, we'll do um, we'll do some emails. That's what we do, baby. Look at me. Jerry Halliwell there. There she is. Um, Jake's been in touch. Says hello, Luke and Pete. Um, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com, Of course, is the email address. Please do get in touch about anything we talked about or anything you'd like us to talk about. Mm. Um, but Jake's done that, and he says hello, Luke and Pete. My two-year-old son has recently got very into dinosaurs. Your niece, Pete, famously, mm, who we heard earlier in the dinosaurs. week, doesn't like dinosaurs. Owns dinosaurs, hates them. Yeah, most, most kids love them. Mm. Um, he says, therefore, I bought him a number of dinosaur toys and books to play with uh, and read, and we generally get all the dinosaurs out and create different scenarios where mm. they run around and occasionally battle. Therefore, you can imagine how stupid I felt when I discovered last week that the Stegosaurus was, in fact, a fossil when the T-Rex began roaming the Earth. I ah, saw this yes. on Twitter originally and verified it online. There are 80 million years separating the two species. Therefore, a fight between a T-Rex and a Stegosaurus is technically less accurate than a fight between T-Rex and Hitler. <laughs> I tried to find a toy Hitler for my son's collection, but no luck as yet. I thought you might find that interesting. Cheers, Jake. Um, yeah, there's, there's a vast amount of separation between... Um, between the two, a lot of different species of dinosaurs, mm. but we just tend to bracket them all up. That's like, I think I'm right in saying that vast majority of the species, if not all the species in Jurassic Park, didn't exist in the Jurassic era. Mm. Uh, I think most of the more exciting carnivorous dinosaurs are Cretaceous dinosaurs, not right. Jurassic ones. And then obviously the period before that was the Triassic, which is different again. You had a bit of a giggle with it. Yeah, they're just taking the piss, mate, to be honest. <laughs> they're taking the fucking piss. Piss take. Yeah. Well, they all got in the kitchen, so... No <laughs> no accuracy. Next mm. thing you know, they're opening doors. <laughs> Imogen has got in touch. Hello, both. Oh, I, I, I um, bookmarked this to read as well. Well, I've got it. It's rare. rare. It's rare. Imogen, double, that's yeah. when you know it's a good email, because both of us have separately uh, decided to read this In the one. Venn diagram of Pete and Luke's interests. I'll um, read it next. As a long-time listener of the pod, I decided to trip myself a re-listen uh, to your now extensive back catalogue. Imogen, come on. Come on, you've got better things to do than that. It's nothing in, if not extensive. In episode 23, Sunday brunch with Danny Dyer, Rick Edwards was talking about his experiences of uh, sniffing ammonia, which he described as the strongest alkali, as the chemistry pedant that I am. Uh, I felt the need to write in to correct this and uh, tell you that there are, in fact, any, many other strong alkalis known as super bases. Love that. So I would learn at school, Imogen, uh, I know you can't talk back to me, but I'm talking no. to you directly, that the highest number pH was the highest number alkali. And I thought that was about 13 or 14 or something. And that strongest acid is down at pH 1, right? And water is neutral, which is around about 7, 7.5, I think. Mm. I think. That's, that sounds about right. It's yeah. extent of my chemistry yeah, knowledge. That's all we got. Yeah, and um, anything else I know, I learned off Breaking Bad. <laughs> this uh, got me thinking about other sim silly chemical names, some of which I will now regale you with. A disclaimer, I am only an undergrad chemistry student and ask that any of your other listeners are kind to me if I make mistakes. Here goes. Of course. Arsehole. 
<laughs> Listen, Come on. you don't have to worry about it. If, you, if you're bringing in a chemical called arsehole, you're, you're in safe hands. Um, a ring compound containing arsenic, and although they are not commonly found in a pure form, there is a German academic paper whose title uh, translates to Studies on the Chemistry of the Arseholes. Also, a ring compound. Nice. Exactly. Uh, Adam Antain is not named after Adamant, but rather after the Greek Adamas, meaning indestructible, as it has the same structure as diamond, famously a hard, uh, near indestructible material. (laughs) Coming tonight. Coming tonight. Coming tonight is a mineral discovered in the magnesium-rich rocks of Cummington, Massachusetts, in 1824. Uh, Erotic acid. Vitamin B13 is uh, known as such uh, due to ke- generations of chemists thinking they were funny. It was originally erotic acid. Mm. Uh, if you add another carbon to it, it becomes homoerotic acid. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, moronic acid is found in the pistachia re- uh, resin, uh, which has been found in shipwrecks and inside ancient Egyptian relic jars. It names, uh, its name comes from the similar hydroxyform moronic acid found in the heartwood of the Mora tree. From there, it was only a short jump to the most, uh, much more silly name, moronic. Uh, and finally for now, uh, penguin on uh, looks like a penguin. The structure in a diagram. Oh, uh, right. And it's frankly a lot easier to pronounce than, uh, oh, good God, 3445-tetramethylcyclohexa-24-dean-1-1. Uh, yeah. <laughs> These are only a few of the silly names of chemistry, and uh, with new compounds being made all the time, uh, there are uh, infinite possibilities for many silly names in the future. Well, let's hear it for... Um, uh, Luke and Peter Dextry. <laughs> yeah, love yeah. that. There's also one, I'm, 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 it puts me in mind of one I'm sure I read about when I was doing some mad kind of research for this show mm. a while ago. I think there's one called Buckminster Fullerene as well. Buckminster Fullerene, nice. Because they named it after the, because it looked like, same, similar to the penguin, right? it yeah. looked like in, in structural format, it looked like the shape of a kind of geometric shape that Buckminster Fuller used to design or something like right. that. Because so, I think it comes down to the scientists that discover it, right? I think so, yeah. Which is why it's so disappointing. You can't they... be mad, though. You can't just make stuff up just, I think for, you should just be for the to. shits and the giggles. But you know, like astronomers only name like pla- planets and stars like 564B-5. Yeah. It's like, mm. it's, it's a waste of time. Yeah. I know it's a, probably some kind of cataloging system, but let's have a bit of fun with it. Like 199.56. <laughs> um, this is an interesting one I thought would pique you, your interest, Pete, from Megan in New Jersey. Pique my blinder. Yeah, this will pique your blinder. Hello, gents. Beloved fast food chain KFC is known to come up with some bizarre ideas for products, furthering their brand over the years. Examples include a fried chicken-scented sunscreen, lip balm, and finger-na- uh, finger-licking nail polish. Mm. Do you know about those? Uh, I knew about the lip balm. I'm happy to report they're back on their bullshit, this time with a dating simulation game launching on Steam on September 24th, which was this week. In it, you play as a culinary student studying alongside a young Colonel Sanders, looking for love and to possibly become a business partner to the good man, the Colonel. Mm. There are nine characters, including a dog who's a professor at the school, because why not? And allegedly various game mechanics like cooking battles and secret endings are promised, resulting in multiple hours of gameplay. And uh, Megan includes a link. Um, you're on Steam, right, Pete? You probably I'm download games on Steam. Can you download the KFC game? Let us know what it's like. Um, I can do. I fear that we might have been had by some kind of clever video game PR. I would like to investigate this woman to see if okay. she works for a PR company. Well, I'll click on the link. Yeah. Um, KFC is apparently creating a Colonel Sanders dating sim. Finger licking good. Yeah, it went. It went all over the. It went all over the gaming world last week. Um, oh, you reckon it's just like a market employee? Well, it is a Martin employee, but it's also, you know, um, created a video game. Apparently, so apparently it's pretty good. Would you up, be up for it? I, I don't generally like those kind of um, uh, talking book kind of games. Those kind of, uh, they're usually like manga characters and you're sort of like romancing people 
uh, and stuff. Because Do- it reminds you of your own shortcomings Do- in real life. Doki Doki, uh, Doki, Doki uh, Literature Club came out last uh, two years ago, and that was like a subversion of the art. Um, I recommend that. This might be good as well, though. There are only two genres of video game. Okay. Super Mario World, <laughs> Super Mario Zelda. Kart. <laughs> right, okay. Kart. Driving. Does it have a kart in it? Platforming. Does it have a platforming? I yeah. wouldn't mind you, like, there's a, there's a Twitter page saying, um, there's a Twitter account that uh, checks out every game possible going um, and asks, can you pet the dog? If there is a dog in the game, can you pet it? Presumably yeah. you couldn't pet a professor. Because yeah. he's a teacher, and that's very disrespectful yeah. in this particular game. Uh, but it just basically goes through every game. So, can you pet the dog? And it, even there's there been some games who uh, which have come out, and because of this Twitter page, can you pet the dog has become quite popular, and everyone retweets their content. They've actually gone back and added a dog petting option into the game, like patched in after release. I don't think. I also don't think that just because the dog's a professor doesn't mean he doesn't want his belly rubbed. <laughs> that's a good point. Actually, I yeah. mean, you know, you could be as rich and powerful as you want. You still want your doesn't belly rubbed. Doesn't mean rubbed. you can't enjoy like an ice pop or something. You know, <laughs> it doesn't. You don't change. You yeah. know, the very essence of the dog won't change. Good point. He's probably a very good boy. Probably likes KFC. I'd imagine those bonds. Oh mate, delicious! I had them uh, bones, them bones, then dry bones. Doubled up on the gravy last night on the KFC. Twelve Textbook. spicy wings, doubled up on the gravy, and I got some mash on on top of the fries, which was unwelcome at three a.m. When my stomach went, Peter, we have to talk. Um, but it was uh, I might actually switch to mash and gravy instead of the um, instead of a common. So KFCs fries. in this country don't often do mash. Mm. So that one does, does it? Which one, one is did, it? Yeah, I don't know. It was on Deliveroo. So who was it that we both know? that didn't know that KFC did gravy. No, I don't know. I think it might have been Sam from Set Meals. Really? Which is a massive gap in his knowledge for a food He didn't know that they did gravy, right. I might be doing him a disservice, but Mm. it was someone we both know. They were stunned to hear that KFC did gravy and they promised to go and investigate it. (laughs) KFC gravy is magnificent. Mm. It's absolutely fantastic. Delicious. Um, Speaking of genres of games, it always reminds me of the conversation you would have if people are listening if they're old enough. Um, in the 90s mm. when it became um, you know, music was becoming popular again you had Britpop you had all this American rap music you had all this other stuff and I think it discombobulated some of the older generation yeah but they were still young enough to sort of go to the pub and you'd be they'd be like your mate's older brother or your mate's dad or mm. whatever and every bloke of that kind of ilk used to just say uh, you talk about music in a pub in the 90s and they would say oi listen son there's only two genres of music Good and bad. All right. And that's what you reminded me of with the, with the video game conversation. <laughs> uh, let's do one more email from William. Okay. Um, this is a, a, a. Sometimes I prioritize emails that are important clarifications to things we've talked about in the past. Mm. And William says, Hi, guys. Just a quick clarification on the petrol pumping palaver in the US. Yes. It is only illegal to pump your own gas in New Jersey. Oh. Lots of people think that you get your gas pumped for you in the US. Apparently, it's only in New Jersey. Stemming from the 1949 Retail Gasoline Dispensing Safety and Regulations Act, Mm. which states, because of the fire hazards directly associated with dispensing fuel, it is in the public interest that gasoline station operators have the control needed over that activity to ensure compliance with appropriate safety procedures, including turning off vehicle engines and refraining from smoking while fuel is dispensed. Mm. Now, to my knowledge, Oregon also had a similar law that was recently repealed. Um, I only know this because of the Twitter meltdown I witnessed with, a me- with many young men and women complaining about having to get out of their car on cold January mornings to have to pump their own gas. All the best. Keep up the good work. William. Tragic. Um, I guess nowadays with wearable tech and everything's got a little battery in it, uh, you'd be in a situation where pretty much everything, a Bluetooth headset, 
uh, an Apple, like a smartwatch, you couldn't wear while you're pumping gas because obviously anything that has a battery in it has the capacity to spark and therefore ignite the flames. But how likely is it to happen though? Well, you could say the same thing about the smartphone, couldn't you? Because you're not allowed, to, you're not allowed to take a phone call, are you? Because of the possibility of a spark. But I thought it was one of those things that, like, you're not allowed to use your phone on a plane. I mean, like, it's kind of just one of those things, right? You can do it. Well, no, yeah, it's just a that, saying, isn't it? Well, no, because they think that that's going to in, interfe- legitimately interfere with the. And I suppose the early mobile phones were but I've analog, taken, so they would just be. I've taken as many flights with you as anyone has, mm. and you are always absolutely dismissive in your attitude towards turning your phone off. Yeah, it's, it's bollocks. But is it bollocks in a gas station as well? No, because because you can still because anything with a battery. Well, I'd, I'm not I'm no scientist, and I don't know how often sparks come out of smart smartphones. But I presume that is why uh, you're not allowed to use your phone because of the right. possibility of uh, an electromagnetic spark. Why is it bollocks on a plane then? Well, because if it makes a spark, it's not going to. No, but why do they stop explode. you on a plane then? Because. In the early years, I presume, of um, phones uh, contacting mobile phone towers, it perhaps had the uh, capacity to interfere uh, with the with the communications between the control tower, uh, ATC, and, and, and the planes themselves. Yeah. But even then, perhaps they didn't. They just wanted to make sure that the pilot had a clear uh, line of communication with the people on the ground. James Horncastle of, uh, of this parish mm. uh, of on the continent, he... Um, he was flying to, I think, Florence mm. a couple of weeks ago. And he um, he got in his chair, in his seat, ready to take off, dozed off, woke up as they were landing. Yeah. Thought he had uh, dozed off for like hours. Turns out 25 minutes into the flight, they had turned around, gone back to London because <laughs> the radio was faulty. Right. His flight got cancelled. <laughs> so it was really disorientating. That's annoying. Yeah, we're yeah. not going, oh, I've done. That's lost quick. half an hour. Uh, imagine the joy of that. Imagine if it was a long haul flight. Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, I've, I've slept for it. eight hours. <laughs> no, 20 minutes. <laughs> anyway, let's get out of here. Hello at Luke and Peach to get in touch. Um, yeah. If you want to come see us perform with Marcus and Jim as part of Football Ramble Live, we're out around the country um, mm. from tonight. Uh, taking in London this weekend then we're off to places like Liverpool to Northampton to Newcastle to Sheffield all sorts of places Aye. then we're off to the US um, so do check it out ramblelive.com for tickets and we'll see you on Monday bye bye